Our 11th year starts right now. A Monday warrior, mean, mean stride. Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride. And a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dyes, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience Wanting more. Happy New Year to everybody. Here we are in our 11th year. My goodness, time is absolutely flying. And if you know everyone's doing their retrospectives, what we can learn from COVID-19, it is good to fit in. So I will say my my four things that I think we have to acknowledge and, and take forward into the future from COVID-19 are, number one, it is going to end. All right. We are not going to be wearing these ridiculous masks all the time. Uh, we're going to go back to football games and concerts and Broadway shows. COVID-19 is going to end. Now, it has permanently changed the trajectory of some things in American life, but it is going to end. Number two, COVID-19 has permanently displaced September 11th as the most significant historical, cultural, economic moment for the four generations that remember that event or have heard about it. COVID-19 has displaced that. It is in that perfect, that's why I'm doing things in fourths. The fourth turning has begun. The fourth industrial revolution has begun in earnest, right? Number three, COVID-19 has compressed three to five years of inevitable changes into one in terms of the banking marketplace, really any marketplace, the technology and all the things that we, I will never go back to walking into Target if I don't have to. I love it when they bring this stuff out to the car. You get little text, easy breezy. It wasn't Target's ads about curbside pickup or whatever that got me to do that. It was history. It was COVID-19. The guest today from Deland QSO. They're reimagining the CUSA so much, they're changing the acronym, all right? He believes COVID-19 has compressed 10 years, 10 years, a decade, into one. And since I have the benefit of having already heard the interview, I'm inclined to agree with him. And fourth, let's talk about what COVID-19 did not change. Let's talk about what the Civil War did not change. Let's talk about what World War II didn't change, and that is time and locality are the two most important factors in your brand. True that. No hashtag required. You're literally listening to The Power of Performance. People, hey folks, you heard me say in the setup that COVID-19 has compressed three to five years of inevitable changes into one calendar year. Our next guest, the first of 2021 in our 11th year on the air, thinks it's more like a decade. 
that has been compressed into one year. And having talked to John Ungerland, I'm inclined to agree with him. So we're going up to the Rocky Mountain state of Colorado. His name is John Ungerland. He's the chief operating officer at Deland QSO. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, Jason, how are you today? Thanks for having it is on. so good to have you. Like everybody else, I'm out there online minding my own business. I come across this beautifully elegant website and the tagline, a next generation QSO. John, tell us what that means. Yeah, well, I think the first thing it means is that, you know, we, we serve community financial institutions, and we do that from the position of being, uh, firstly, a technology company, a, a true technology company. Uh, what that means is that our shareholder, uh, from the time of our uh, re reformation as a QSO a few years back uh, in 2018, um, we, we went from being a private technology company for about a decade to being focused on this community financial services space. And uh, what it means is that our uh, a shareholder, you know, cares more about making an impact on their community and creating relevance generating solutions for their community, you know, than they are concerned about having a seat on a, a technology company board. Um, hmm. We're very familiar with the concept of QSOs. We've been in the community FI space for a long time, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of them sort of uh, allow financial institution execs to uh, participate in a technology company board or something and maybe generate a nominal dividend check for their institution at the end of each year or something. And our mission was really uh, to be a pure fintech uh, led by the brightest minds in the industry. And we were fortunate enough to find in Nutmeg State Financial uh, an investor and a shareholder who shared that vision and desired that for the industry and uh, wanted that more than, you know, playing a technology company executive or a technology company board member. Um, you know, we, we actually have look at the word QSO and its acronym a uh, little bit differently, I think, than most, uh, rather than just credit union service organization, as it typically means. Um, I think we would view ourselves more as like a, a community uh, uniting uh, systems organization. So our whole focus is on uh, helping our clients build strategy and systems that uh, let them cement themselves at, at the epicenter of their community and really unite themselves uh, and, and unite their community together uh, through the use of technology and data. <clears throat> uh, we are no stranger to Nutmeg State Federal Credit Union. The business part of Eloquent Online actually has its genesis in working with Nutmeg State and our good friend John Holt. I think that's such an important distinction, a very forward-thinking financial brand, Nutmeg State Financial saw something in y'all that they realized right away had value. To me, that's a great testimonial for any banking brand that is looking for someone, a next-generation brand to work with, isn't it? Yeah, we had worked with Nutmeg State Financial for uh, quite a few years before their acquisition of the you know, private, uh, private technology company, uh, the prior company. And we had a great partnership with them. And you know, the thing that really um, uh, delineates them in the industry is, uh, like I said, they're much more interested on the success of their community, uh, investing into their community, solidifying their privileged place in the community so, uh, for the benefit of their members and their, commu their extended community. Um, you know, they've always uh, been intent to use technology and data, you know, at least for the last decade or so. 
Uh, they've shifted their mindset to using data uh, as really the epicenter of a way to provide value to their community, to provide extended services to the community. And we were fortunate enough that uh, when they went out to the market to try to accomplish that with the traditional vendors and platforms, um, they found out that it was either economically not viable or just uh, that the, the current mentality out there amongst vendors and, and software platforms wouldn't support what they wanted to do for their for their locale, for their members, for the businesses or, and the institutions around them. And, uh, you know, uh, great leaders know when to look for help. And, uh, you know, John and, and his team phoned us up and said, you know, hey, there's some things we want to do for our uh, community, for the region, for the institutions around us. We want to use our, our systems and our data uh, to provide value to this community and to the citizens around us. And we do that. And we said, yeah. Uh, and I think that's you use the word elegant to describe our website. Um, that's probably a compliment to any of the Deland folks listening because that's what we try to do. We try <laughs> to art, art, artfully blend. You know, we, we artfully, yeah. we look at what we do as an art, right, to blend strategy and practical solution to help our clients uh, get where they want to go. <clears throat> so, and, it's, and you do it very well. Uh, you know, you guys are doing art. When people listen to my show, they probably think of it more as graffiti, but we're trying to get better. And you're spot on about Nutmeg State Financial. Uh, it, it, John Holt might not need to attend this meeting, but if you could get every banking brand CEO in one room, what would be the things that you would tell them? What do they need to be doing 2021 going forward if they want to remain a viable banking brand in a very, very rapidly changing banking marketplace. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'd say this is a big room um, for now, <laughs> right? Uh, I think there's, I, I think there's, yeah, I, I'd say this is a big room for now, um, but I don't, I don't know what that looks like, uh, you know, five years from now. Um, as an organization, we're genuinely concerned about the survival of community financial institutions. Um, we absolutely, I would say to those CEOs in the room that uh, we, we absolutely know and believe that the community financial institution, the, the local stewarding of wealth, uh, creates liberty and democratic access to financial services and opportunity. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we could all agree when we look around the broader set of circumstances and events in the world right now that, you know, maybe we should learn to cherish the wealth and the well-being that we can create locally uh, because our ability to uh, function locally might bring us more liberty, more freedom, more enjoyment, you know, more happiness. Um, so I would say to a room of the, all the current community FI execs, uh, hey, this is a big room right now, and that's a good thing, but let's not let it uh, dwindle down to fitting into a, a Holiday Inn somewhere, you know. And um, exactly I think that's possible. True. I think it's I, I, I think it's probable that that could happen if we don't, as an industry, uh, come to terms with the fact, you know, really allow a reckoning that most of what we do technologically has roots in the 70s and 80s. We, we, we still largely as an industry are, are tragically so focused on you so know, electronic EFT type transactions. And you know, there are tectonic shifts taking place right now. Uh, there's a sea change going on uh, in the space of banking technology. And if, uh, if FI execs continue to behave as though their job is to find the best vendor and the best platform to do their job for them technologically, uh, the, the 
banks in particular who are uh, advocating for legislation, you know, like these recent announcements from the OCC and, and the SEC and whatnot, those folks are going to blitz past us uh, with modernized technology that transcends SWIFT, transcends NACHA, transcends ACH, uh, you know, uh, quantum leaps past it. And uh, that would be very tragic for all the people in local communities who need free, and, uh, who need affordable and, and democratic access to financial services. Um, but it, it's not going to be an economic shift that could, it's, that would be the extinction level event. It's going to be a quantum leap in technology that I think most uh, FIs aren't prepared to tackle without a sound strategy uh, and a partner to help guide them through that. <clears throat> no, that is again, that is so spot on. You know, it. Uh, I love the words you're using: quantum leap, blitzing past. I've I've talked in the past about. Do you remember when the rumor became the reality? I remember when sitcoms at night were making jokes about surfing the internet, and then it became mm -hmm. the reality. It wasn't a punchline. It wasn't a rim shot anymore. Which is why more and more as this singular conversation is going on within these, you know, uh, 20 years of banking experience, you know, qualified down into these 20 minutes on the phone with you, I am, I am inclined to agree with you and amend my, my previous comment that it hasn't compressed three to five years of transformational change, but you're right, it's a decade, that's a half a generation, and the technology is probably only adding to the speed of those changes. So what it sounds like you're saying to me is if you're a banking executive planning to sit around for the next two to three years and attend hour-long webinars on emotional intelligence, you might find a better use of your time, correct? Yeah, I think banking, I mean, they're, all, banking executives are still going to do that. That's one thing I've learned after being in the industry for two decades, but I think <laughs> they should right. also, that's, right. they, 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 I, <laughs> I think they should, they should, you know, uh, I think most banking executives should ask themselves the question uh, this year, have I attended a few conversations that made me feel very uncomfortable, right, about the future mm. of my institution? And it's not going to come from the NCUA or from CUNA or from any of those types of places. The reality is that, you know, uh, they need to, I, I think back to one of the unfortunate casualties of uh, the COVID disruption of 2020. Uh, we were supposed to uh, facilitate an organization that was focused on just strictly educating uh, financial institution executives about cryptocurrency. And we had right. uh, secured some scholars to come in and talk about that event uh, to our clients. And it was interesting that even with as expansive a client base as we have across the entire country, you know, that it was uh, merely, you know, a couple dozen people that were willing to attend that and expand their horizons and, and go to that uncomfortable place. You know, that was a year ago. And when I talk about 10 years of change being compressed, I, I think we struggled to get a couple dozen people to commit to a, a forum or a conversation like that a year ago. I bet you now with, uh, you know, the cryptocurrency markets doing what they're doing and the OCC announcement about banks plugging into cryptocurrency ledger for payments and settlement and, you know, everything going on with uh, SEC and those regs, I bet you we would have, uh, you know, maybe, I, I would hope we'd have 50. It would, that would be a very right. positive sign for our industry. Um, I'd like to see more executives uh, put, questioning how they're going to plug into the future of money because it's right. not going to be just because they hold the money right now. That's, the, that's what exactly. I mean by the sea change. They've got to have, they've got to have a technological, digital data and business strategy in their community if they want to stay plugged into the future of money. That's the bottom line. Wow. Pun intended. Thanks for visiting with you.
It's, exactly, folks. His name is John Underland. He's the C Chief Operating Officer of DeLand CUSO, joining us from the beautiful state of Colorado. We're talking about this just acceleration of time and space. And to quote the great Thomas Paine, time creates more converts than reason. Well, we love to end the show on more of a fun personal note. The first thing I like asking guys like you, John, technology people, is do you remember your first computer and how much memory it had? I can tell you my first computer that I bought for myself was a compact Presario. Embrace yourself, John. It had 16 megabytes of RAM. <laughs> That's actually pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, oh, I gotta go a little bit. I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta dial up the Wayback Machine and go a little bit further back than that. Uh, I had a, a stepdad who worked for Radio Shack and Tandy organization oh. for Tandy Corporation, and so uh, he actually had uh, access to you know some really archaic stuff. So I think um, you know I can't even really tell you what the first one was. I do know we had a Commodore 64 at one point. Oh, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Moonlander. And I used to play Moonlander and stuff on that thing. And then, uh, yeah, and then at some point in time, I bought a, a compact laptop later on in life. And uh, I would really consider that my first uh, quote unquote PC. But yeah, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, I think I'd love to get my hands on like some of those original pieces of hardware I had and, and show them to my eight year old son who now has a cryptocurrency mm -hmm. wallet on his phone. And see what he says, right? It'd be like That's it'd so be a typewriter true. to him, wouldn't it? It absolutely would be. It absolutely would be. I still have my original iPhone, and when you pick it up, it is very much like picking up an eight-track tape. We'll let the millennials Google yep. that. It, it is fascinating the speed with which these things have changed. And then finally, like many people, you know, I found myself uh, at home more uh, in 2020. Discovered some shows that I would not have watched otherwise. Among them, my favorite uh, on Netflix was The Crown. I watched all four seasons of The Crown. I absolutely loved it. John, did you discover a show or a movie last year or a series maybe on one of the streaming services that you might not have discovered otherwise? Yes, I did. Uh, this, it was it's a gem of a show. I recommend it to anybody listening, but if they just need to escape the uh, uh, bizarro world we live in all of a sudden but anyway uh it was it's called the repair shop on netflix and uh it's this uh essentially you know documentary of these artisans uh in england who work together in this uh, repair shop and restore uh you know antique objects and family heirlooms for people uh, essentially at no charge and and the entire show is all about you know uh, people helping people and restoring these objects and giving people a connection to the past. And it just has a, a beautiful humanity to it that was welcome to me in this year or in this past year. Yeah, i got to say, I find something very, very uh, renaissanceical about that. A guy like you, a, a cryptocurrency, forward-thinking technology guy, <laughs> getting so much enjoyment about his show about restoring antiques. We call somebody like you a raconteur. And so I think that's yeah. I think that's really very, very cool. Hey, folks, thank you. Um, uh, you've been listening to somebody. Like I tell people all the time, it is gentlemen like John Ungerland. This is why webinars send me hate mail. It is a, it is a great discussion. I love what you said about, hey, attend an event that's going to give you some information that's going to make you feel a little uncomfortable because sometimes that's exactly what it takes to inspire a necessary 
change. John, you've been an absolute delight. You're always welcome back on the Power Performance Podcast. And on behalf of everybody here, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being our first guest of the year in our 11th year on the year and taking some time, some time out of your day to do it. Thank you so very kindly. Okay, thank you, Jason. Anytime. Awesome. Great job. What a Wow. That interview speaks for itself. Trying to keep it in the 20-minute time range so the 16,000 thoughts that that interview inspired will have to wait until next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast. My name is Jason Dyer, and until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care.